Welcome to Wisdom Radio, an ad-free premium podcast fully supported by our listeners. This is Andy Height. Welcome. Stephanie Shea is with us today. She is Chief Astrologer at janspiller.com. You know, Stephanie was fortunate enough to study under the guidance of Jan, the late Jan Spiller, um, until Jan's passing in 2016. Stephanie is dedicated to keeping Jan's legacy alive by continuing her teachings in the form of the horoscopes, yearly forecasts, astrological edge column, and various other astrological updates for the website. Yeah, so welcome today, Stephanie. So excited to have you on the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So I think we can um, kick things right off. Um, You know, I had mentioned... I had interviewed Jan many years ago, um, and when I was thinking about doing an astrology show, of course, I went back to her website to um, connect with her again, and I was so saddened to learn that she um, she had passed away, um, but was also excited to learn that you were carrying on her legacy. So maybe we could start there. Yeah, I think that's a really good place to start. Um, I I thought that was a great interview. I always love listening to um, old interviews and videos that Jan did. You know, she was just so good with that. And I worked for her starting in about 2012. And the way I was introduced to her was through my astrology teacher here in Portland named Emily Trinkus. And Emily had met Jan professionally through her circle of, of work. She had Um, worked with her on some articles on tarot.com so long story short (laughs) Emily um, recommended me to work with Jan to help out writing some horoscopes on the website and for me that was just like a dream come true you know (laughs) I'm a huge Jan Spiller fan and it was such a great opportunity between 2012 and the middle of 2016 until Jan's passing I had the chance to really learn and have Jan be my mentor while I worked on these articles and helped give her support because the website has so much information, you know, mm-hmm. and Jan was working on books and things like this. So uh, not, one person can't do it all. So it, it really turned into a wonderful working relationship that we had. And she did teach me a lot. Um, I felt Emily's school was already kind of in alignment with what Jan practiced too, which is empowering astrology, um, letting people know what they can do with the astrology, not just pointing out everything that could go wrong because (laughs) people know that, but then they want to know, okay, well, what can I do? (laughs) That was a big um, emphasis and it, it continues to be as part of her legacy. And it was very important to Jan to keep, the website going as a resource for people. She thought that, you know, she wanted to leave that as her legacy. Well, yeah, it's very uh, sad that she left us early because she was sort of starting some really interesting projects. And, um, but I guess it was, uh, it was her time. And it's just so lovely that um, you are continuing her legacy. Now, let's talk a little bit about your um background because you are chief astrologist and that is I'm sure has taken a lot of hard work to get to that point yes definitely um 
And a lot of it, you know, was, was really kind of hands-on on the job. But before that, like I said, I trained with Emily Trinkus. She had a school for a while here in Portland called the Alcyon School for Engaged Astrology. Um, and that, that school, I was in the first class of it, and it went on for a number of years. And then Emily has since moved and is doing a lot of other amazing things. But I felt really honored to be part of that program and then um in my work with all the writing that I do for the website covers a lot of astrology it's covering all the outer planet movements it's covering every event eclipses retrogrades by the time I write about this for an entire year and I'm preparing much of this content um you know almost a year in advance I know the astrology inside and out like and so doing that in tandem with Jan for a span of four and a half years, it was, you know, I would call that um, some intensive on-the-job training. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't really go, I mean, there isn't really a college degree in astrology. It's more of an apprenticeship, um, complex uh, knowledge that's passed down, is it not? It definitely is. There's different um, paths that people take. There are some national certification programs, things like this. I've definitely considered expanding that. I'm always going to conferences up here in the Northwest. They have NORWAC, the Northwest Astrological Conference. Um, So you can, there's a number of resources. We're so lucky right now as far as studying astrology. Anyone who wants to learn, there are some great programs, some great teachers out there. And um, mm-hmm. so, Well, yeah, that's good think... to know. Maybe we can, um, well, we'll direct people to whatever website you would like us to direct people to with those types of resources um, on them. For sure. Sure. I, I would, I'd be happy to, um, to send some, some people I know. I know Emily is still teaching some classes. Well, we'll, and, we'll get into um, that. You know, we'll, we'll have some stuff uh, uh, right on the link on wisdomradio.org. Um, under this show, we will list some links that people can use to find you, to find uh, Jan's Filler's work, and these other resources if they're interested themselves. But it is a very complex and mysterious, um, do you call it a science or is it an art form or what is it? Well, I think, again, everyone has their own um, description. I think it's a combination of science and art because it is based on mathematical calculations of the planet's placement. And so to me, there is a lot of sort of that technical aspect. And then the art to me is through the interpreting. Um, Every astrologer, even though we may study the same things, is going to have a slightly different interpretation. And I think that's a good thing. Um, That kind of makes us not in competition so much with each other because people are going to be drawn to an astrologer that resonates with them. That's interesting. Um, One thing that I wanted to ask you today, were, were there clues through the astrological chart that this COVID epidemic was, um, or something like it was on the way. Can you can you use astrology for those types of predictions, or at least to be aware, to be on the lookout for something? Absolutely, yeah. This is, this is such a good question, and this is 
what is really exciting about astrology is the cycles and the patterns. And so one of the articles I took over for Jan was called um, The Astrological Edge. That was in Dell Horoscope for a number of years before that magazine. I don't know if you heard it recently closed its doors, but um, it's amazing publication. And in this article, um, it goes big picture how the outer planets could affect people on a global level. Um, and then small picture, how do we use it in our personal lives? And so the planets are always in motion. We're born with a static birth chart, but what a lot of people are interested in getting a reading is, well, how, what's coming up? You know, you can call it predictions. It's, you can see themes that are going to emerge. Um, and so definitely with 2020, astrologers, even all last year, are like something big is coming because we had the outer planets of Pluto and Saturn in the sign of Capricorn. Um, and they were coming. So now what exactly uh, does that mean? Break that down. I will break this down. Yeah. <laughs> so Saturn rules structure, system, authority, government, and business. <laughs> Pluto is death and rebirth. <laughs> So, and when you look at Capricorn, that's also emphasizing this like structural theme, like something is getting ready to be rebuilt. Um, I used an analogy, and then to add to that, the planet Jupiter moved into Capricorn. So um, there's three of the big outer planets working with that as 2020 began. And I was kind of thinking of them like that Christmas Carol <laughs> play, the Charles Dickens, because Saturn really is about what's real, what's right now. Um, that's kind of that ghost of, I think that was the ghost of the um, present. The present. Okay. Thank you. Well, we can, you know, uh, see good, bad, or otherwise Pluto is very extreme. That's like that ghost at the end that scares you (laughs) with the grave. That's the Uh, future. (laughs) That's the, it could be, it could be. But then to me, what helped the situation was Jupiter coming in. That planet naturally has an optimistic energy to it. And that was the part of Christmas Carol that was like, look, look what could happen. This, there was happier times in the past. What can you make of this? What opportunities to change pretty much so we can be scared into change or we could kind of do that more proactively. And, um, so nobody that I know of predicted the virus, but everybody was predicting economic problems, structural shakeup. Oh, I it, see. It, so they sort of saw <laughs> the end result of the virus, but not necessarily. Um, and as you say, then it, 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 it it comes to the interpretation and people probably don't want to go too far out on a limb. Otherwise you get into the category of prophesizing or um, being psychic, which is a whole different thing. It's true. Yeah. And you know, some people will, um, will go there and, um, and that's, that's good if that's their comfort zone. I don't, declare myself a psychic I feel like I use my intuition I look at the energies of the planets and kind of see okay what's the worst case scenario 
okay, what would be the best case scenario? And then kind of rationalize, well, what's the most likely based on that? And it's sure. probably in between, but um, it was looking more like drastic because of Saturn and Pluto coming together. And now we're working with Jupiter and Pluto. The other thing Jupiter does is magnify things. And if Pluto not only is death and rebirth, but things that have been hidden beneath the surface, this is very much reflective. Like, I think this whole virus is exposing weaknesses in our societies and our systems, you know, like sure. who's not getting the services they need, right. that kind of thing. Well, and the virus itself is hidden. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's so tiny. Have you seen it on a chart next to other viruses? It's the tiniest little speck. No, I haven't. But, (laughs) you know, the planet Pluto is representative of viruses. So that was in the spectrum of things. Um, But I think to specifically predict that um, would be very difficult. But it makes sense now. Like, oh, okay, well. Well, it's interesting. Now, I I under even some presidents had had astrologers like um, Reagan. um, I think he had an astrologer. Um, Yes. Uh, so that's that's interesting that you know you, they would, we all kind of want to see a little bit into the future, maybe maybe not, but um, as as long as it can sort of help us. But so here we are, we're in the middle of this now, I would say, and um, I think most people would agree it's not over. Um, it still has some tricks up its sleeve. What do you see in the next six months on the charts uh, that perhaps might give us some insights? Well, yeah, here's another interesting thing about 2020 is it has more retrograde, interplanet retrogrades than other years. (laughs) So, you know, if you know about interplanet retrogrades, Mercury is the most famous one. It slows things down. Um, And so we deal with that a few times a year. But what we've got going this year and starting very soon on May the 13th is Venus is going to enter a retrograde cycle from May 13th to yeah. June oh, 24th. Venus. 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 That, that, is that love? <laughs> love and money. So money. Oh. When I saw the year, I was like, okay, nothing is going to happen quickly. I was, you know, before all this hit, I'd been telling my clients, like, be patient this year. It's going to feel like slow, like one step forward, two steps back. Mm-hmm. In the fall, we're going to be dealing with a Mars retrograde. Um, through September and October, and some of these retrogrades in the summer are overlapped by Mercury retrograde. <laughs> it's I have a timeline, and that could be another resource that that kind of shows the astrology piled up. On what's top the bottom? Of what's the bottom line line in your opinion? So you feel things? You feel it's going maybe things are slowing down. Uh, are you interpreting that to mean the economy or the virus or people's lives? Or, I mean, I certainly feel like my life has slowed down kind of in a good way. <laughs> well, there's that. Yeah, there's always, you know, the plus and the minus on all of this. And I think definitely people's lives. It's really hard to get new things started with a lot of retrogrades. Um, I think the one thing that we have going for us right now, I was talking about Saturn being in Capricorn as the year started, what we're getting right now between March 21st and July 1st, Saturn is in the early degrees of Aquarius. We're getting a sneak preview (laughs) before it officially 
goes into Aquarius at the end of the year. Oh, and Aquarius. Let's talk time. about Aquarius. This is the it exciting is, part. <laughs> this is really cool. So now, uh, isn't Aquarius oh, like, you know, when the moon is in this, that one, you know, that song. Um, yeah. We've been like waiting <laughs> the for the of age of Aquarius. Are we so sort of actually now coming into it? Well, this is an awesome um, topic and question because I think a, this is on a lot of astrologers' minds. You know, these ages are sort of these astrological time periods, and they have marked like some big changes in the Earth's development, like culture, politics, and and what look, and what was Capricorn? Because we were coming out of Capricorn. Well, see, here's the thing: the ages move reverse through um, the zodiac. So that means we are coming out of Pisces. Um, and nobody actually knows the end and starting dates. If you start researching the ages, you might see an 800-year window of time. <laughs> so it's not easy to nail down because it's trying to be based on lining up with these constellations. And nobody actually has an exact measurement of some of these constellations either. They're not the same size. So it, it's a slippery slope, but what we can use is some clues of how it feels. And when I think about an age ending and a new one beginning, it's gonna be a process. It wouldn't happen overnight. So it may be something we see more in the rear view mirror, like, oh yeah, like it was starting in maybe as early as the 60s or 70s, but it didn't really like finish completing until 2026 or something like this. Or 2226. Um, 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 so it's a uh, 2020 hindsight kind of thing, but we will begin to feel its influence, I guess, because of the math piece of this, because it just is. Well, yes. And I think a clue is the Aquarian astrology headed our way at the end of this year. So, um, and why this is helpful to the virus is because Aquarius rules science and technology and invention, innovation. If we need something to solve this problem, the, these are all under the Aquarian um, umbrella. <laughs> so I think, you know, this is something we haven't ever experienced. This, this challenge and this problem of this virus requires some brand new solutions, some kind of invention. And that's being supported right now by Saturn. So I'm thinking, you know, this is helping the scientists and doctors right now who are working on vaccines. Um, that's that's and, wonderful. Yeah. So that's the good news. Yeah. But then with the retrogrades and what we know, how crazy this virus is and how slow things work they have to test the vaccine you know i don't think yeah it lines right up with the projections of people who are saying it would take a year to 18 months that kind of lines up with the astrology right um, so stay so, in <laughs> yeah well, so um, you know i think people are going to have to get more and more inventive um obviously about okay, how do I, how do I make a living if their regular line of work has not been possible? Um, and Saturn rules work. And right now it's in Aquarius. It, that can help people use new technology, you yes, know. Yes, and innovation. <laughs> and, and perhaps doing something that they've always 
wanted to do. They didn't have the time to think it through or to start it. And now um, perhaps being home, uh, working from home, if one is lucky or even collecting unemployment, um, looking for work, um, that still might provide an opportunity to, you know, I mean, I don't want to be insensitive thinking about all the many people who are out of work, um, but it is a positive sign that, that some of these influences are on the horizon anyhow. Exactly. Yeah, this is, you know, I, I don't feel like, you know, this is some kind of blessing. I think it's it's really it's tragedy, but out of all this adversity, a lot of times that's when positive changes do happen. And right. I think the other big Aquarian theme that's important is community. And this is, you know, helping people reach out. I've seen some really beautiful expressions of neighbors helping each other out. And that is scheduled to be even bigger at the end of the year because Jupiter and Saturn will come together in what's known as a conjunction in the sign of Aquarius. And that's a big deal because they haven't come together in that sign for like 200 years. (laughs) So that's kind of um, a huge um, indicator where I'm not alone in this. Other astrologers think that's a hint that maybe age of Aquarius is coming on here with this big Saturn and um, Jupiter conjunction. I love the idea of astrology. I love the mystery of it and the accuracy, the uncanny accuracy of it. And, and I don't understand why it works. How did humans kind of figure this out and how far back does it go? This is a great um, topic too. And yeah, I'm never worried if people question it because to me, it's kind of miraculous. Like, wow, this really works. This is how in the world. But, um, you know, I think the origins of it even are disputed. I think um, Babylonian times is, is one of the, the pinpointed origins. And then when we got into the time, you know, of the Greeks a little bit later, that's it sort of changed how people were doing astrology too, just as all sort of science and arts go through different um, processes. I wouldn't even call it an evolution because um, there's so many branches of astrology and some people are picking from different times in history, how they, you know, what their affinity with that practice of astrology. And to me, it's, it can be like all roads, lead to the same place you could get a reading um, from somebody who does something like Vedic astrology which follows the exact placement of the constellations um, versus what I'm doing is western tropical astrology following the planetary movements and we're fixed to the seasons so I think you know there's there's just these different methods um, to get to the same place it's a way to interpret our world and these mathematical calculations it's it like sets these patterns and that makes sense to me because nature is full nature is patterns and so if we say the best time to plant your crops is in may because Mm -hmm. the conditions are right you know the sun is more you know getting warm the soil's warming up uh, there's you know rain coming or whatever it is 
it's a pattern. And um, I was looking back on all of the leaders that have depended on astrology through the ages, and it's something like um, Julius Caesar. Mm. Um, we had already mentioned uh, President Reagan and his wife. Um, let's see here, Carl Jung, mm-hmm. Queen Elizabeth I. Um, you know, and the, the list goes on and on. And so it is interesting. Um, very definitely, definitely one of life's mysteries. Yeah. And I, you know, I think the other thing that makes sense to me is that we are, we have to be in tune with nature. We're living in a natural environment here on earth. And then I see the planets and space as an extension of that. Um, and that's to me why the eclipses and the new moons are so potent because the moon is so close to us. Even people who may not really get Pluto, <laughs> you know, even though I think Pluto is very powerful. Right. Days, but, um, but some people really just, wow, I felt that full moon, you know. <laughs> well, the, the horseshoe crabs feel it. I mean, the you know, there's a lot of animals and I mean, and um, yeah, the moon is. Now, is the moon one of our biggest influences, would you say? I would say, and I think Jan would agree, she kind of specialized in that, as you know. <laughs> so, you know, her most famous book was Astrology for the Soul, which was based on what's known as the nodes of the moon. And that has to do with the moon's position in relation to Earth and Sun at the time you were born. And that, to me, is the most amazingly accurate book. Um, it really helps you see like what's going to be successful for you in this lifetime. Is that a north node, north nodeology or nor, uh, your north node? Is that the same thing? Yes, exactly. Exactly. Because and, 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 Jan had talked about that sort of being connected with your soul purpose. Yes, absolutely. Your soul purpose and also um, where you're coming from. She saw, you know, the south node as past life influences things that feel comfortable that you're drawn to maybe do, but it's just not going to work this time. And you have to learn sort of the opposite energy of that. And for some people it's easier than others. It really depends on your chart layout. If you well, have support. Speaking of chart layout. So I had uh, before our, um, our call, our, before our conversation today, um, I had uh, put a little call out to some of our listeners. And um, so I have three here, but and then one of them is me. Yes. <laughs> That's so selfish, isn't it? No, but That's I was curious. Great. I was curious. So I, uh, to let the audience know, um, I provided you with this information in advance. So you had a little bit of time to think about it although you probably don't need that time with uh, all that just comes to the top of your head, but I didn't want to put you on the spot. So we had, um, let's see, three of us. So you want to start with uh, what you found out about my chart and the question that I had. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, So your question was, is it a good time for my intuitive podcast to take off bigger and better? Uh, so I, I had a lot of fun looking in your chart. You know, one thing right away is, you know, you're very much an initiating person based on what I'm seeing, because you're not just an Aries. It looks like you're born right around the new moon. 
which is new beginnings. Um, the Aries new moon is super powerful for getting things going. Um, and then you've got this Capricorn rising, which has to do with really being able to take charge and keep things going. And that's yes. a very exciting combination, that Aries-Capricorn combo. Um, so that's just overall nature, you know. But as far as the timing of your podcast, because of the topics we were talking about with this Aquarian energy, I think more and more people are going to gravitate towards things like astrology, towards things um, that give them a bigger picture and maybe things that they've considered quote unconventional <laughs> that's right. about Aquarian. well that's good news because you know i do think that our listeners are hungry for um to explore topics that aren't covered in the mainstream media um they're open-minded they have an open heart and they're generally intuitive um and a lot of them you know possess those types of skills themselves quite honestly the sort exactly. of intuitive, the intuitive arts, um, healing, sound healing, energy healing, or um, astrology, that, that type of thing. So it's, I think it's, we're going to see a rise in that people need like some of that bigger picture perspective. And for you personally, or for anybody that's been working steadily at something like you have, you've been doing this for a long time. Right. Um, there is good opportunity for growth. Because with retrogrades, what you can do is build on something that's already been started. So if you were going to try to start a brand new podcast this year, it could feel very challenging. Mm -hmm. um, but because you're building on your past efforts, I think you'll be able to steadily keep that going. Oh, that's very good news. Yeah, well, that's sort of my, my sense is I had to go away for about five years from the podcast um, for uh, work reasons, but... Now I'm back, and it does, um, just in a short time, I'm really feeling uh, that people are reengaging with uh, with the show, and so that's good news. Yeah, and it's it's built into your chart. You have so much in the house that rules, like, communication. <laughs> like, you're, you have, you're supposed to be out there, I think, um, getting the message out, and because your North Node is in Libra, engaging with people, um, very much. Yeah, you're using your chart really well with what you're doing with this podcast. Oh, good. Oh, well, that's good news. All right. Um, not to hog the limelight, although that was really <laughs> delicious. Thank you. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, let's move on to Christine. Um, Christine, uh, let's see here. Her question was, will I ever find my true love and remarry? Now, I won't give all the details about Christine, but I gave them to you in terms of her birth date, birth mm -hmm. time, and the place where she was born. Yes, yes. So I, I printed out her chart. And, um, you know, as I was saying, just like you can't specifically predict the virus or, you know, maybe if you're psychic, some people would. Um, I don't, I wouldn't predict definitely will you marry will you find your true love but what i can say is what makes things look likely um and what depending on what she's been working on and first of all when someone has relationship questions i often see okay what was in their seventh house or maybe their eighth house those are partnership themed 
astrology houses. Well, Christine was born with the Sun and Saturn in her seventh house of partnership in the sign of Capricorn, and Capricorn rules commitment. And this is showing me, I'm like, I wasn't surprised about this question because this would be someone who would really, I think, want a committed relationship. Like that's an important value for them. Um, Mm -hmm. And with what the transiting planets have been doing, that whole um, outer planet power I was talking about with Pluto and Jupiter and Saturn being in Capricorn, that's been active in her seventh house for all of last year. Um, She's finishing up with Saturn in the seventh this year. And Saturn can be kind of limiting. Um, Saturn also rules fears. So again, there's a lot of ways this can play out, but I'm seeing this as because this question is on her mind, she's probably been doing some work around this. Sometimes when people really are looking for that partner, they've got to like release some fears related to that, where there's something you really want, but you didn't realize you're kind of subconsciously blocking it. Pluto rules that. Um, So I would encourage her to keep with that if she's already, which I suspect has been doing that kind of work, because there can be a real payoff. Um, And again, that's the planet Jupiter is the sort of that opportunity. So again, it's a retrograde year. It's never good timing to get into a committed relationship right during like, especially like a Venus retrograde, which rules love. So, and we're in the middle of a virus, so you're not really going to be able to (laughs) get too close, but it is a good time, you know, to still, you could get to know somebody through conversation slowly. And that could really be the key to um, something that's lasting anyway. And it it also sounds like you say um, she might be moving into some, doing some work around some of the fears or the blockages. And what a great time to do that when you can't really be, it's like one of those things where, you know, you're preparing, you know, it's going to happen. You you know, the opportunities will present themselves as just in terms of timing, um, you know, doing that inner work. I, I never think that's a waste of time. Yeah. And this Venus retrograde is going to happen in the part of her chart that has to do with the subconscious. So especially coming up May 13th to June 24th, I think she, you know, could maybe do some journaling. Venus is going to be retrograde in Gemini, which has to do with writing. It can be a really productive time to um, get to the root and get really specific also, you know, about what you want. Um, Because sometimes that can cause problems if you're like looking for that partner, but then you're not even sure what you need for yourself in a partnership. Right. Well, that's true. Boy, that's true. I bet you are just (laughs) relationships questions must be one of the big reasons people come to astrology. It certainly is. And, you know, I really enjoy it. I think it can be so helpful when people are in a partnership and you look at their charts together, it can help people not take things so personally. Um, because especially with communication, for example, and when you see somebody has their mercury in a sign that maybe expresses differently, um, you realize, oh, it's not personal. This is just more their communication style and that kind of thing. Um, 
So the other thing, just quickly for Christine, is, you know, the timing for the person that she would meet. And so that's why I couldn't ever predict this would be when you marry, because it could be she gets ready and then the person she meets is completing an astrological transit that they need to do. And so that's why they always say timing is everything. I think that confirms astrology. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Wonderful. Okay. Here's, here's the last one here. Um, uh, So this is um, Nicole. And again, Mm -hmm. um, I gave you some of her details. Her question is, what is the general vibe for my grand destiny? And am I on the right path? What a great question. It was a great question, and it immediately reminded me of the North Node, of course, because that's what Jan was writing all about. Um, And what struck me about Nicole's chart is that she's got a lot of introverted energy. So she's Pisces, Sun, Cancer Rising, and Capricorn Moon. Those are not known to be the most... um, fiery, go get them, you know, like they get things done. Don't get me wrong, but it's, it's more reserved, I would say. Mm-hmm. However, she has this Aries North node, right? Lined up with the top of her chart. <laughs> and so I am seeing this as like, all right, she's got to like get bold. Um, the general vibe is her like doing something for herself, learning to rely more on her instincts. Um, the the opposite of the Aries North Node is the Libra South Node, which in Jan would say in her book was somebody who relied more on others to get things done and maybe didn't trust themselves to make their decisions. But in this lifetime, Nicole's learning very much to take charge for herself. Her Capricorn moon's going to help her with this, but I think this this piece about the Aries North Node is really important to know that, you know, less second guessing, um, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. And if she is on the right path, you know, I'd have to find out the kind of things she's doing. I think if she is doing some of these Aries type things, you know, taking some calculated risks, trusting herself. She's kind of got the chart of somebody who would run their own business or at least work very autonomously and not have to be micromanaged. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if she's in a position where somebody's telling her what to do all day, she's probably not on the path yet, but she's probably feeling that um, that's why maybe she asked the question. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's interesting. Um, so sort of a, she's a... Um, take take charge uh, independently. Uh, so talk a little bit about the introspection piece because uh, that can go quite deep and and then with the Aries North Node, I would think you could figure out how to express that in the world. Absolutely. Well, yeah, one thing I noticed was like, okay, she has the Pisces sun in the eighth house. That's some very intuitive energy. Um, Mercury in Pisces is right in there too. Uh, She has a cancer rising. I think, you know, she's probably super intuitive already. And my, my guess is that maybe she doubts that because of that Libra South node, Um, because someone else tells her something 
something contrary to what her intuition says. And so I think she'd do really well in any kind of intuitive arts or healing arts because she's got her moon in the sixth house, which has to do with wellness. That can be wellness on a lot of levels. You know, it could be spiritual, psychological, physical, um, these types of things. I think she would really excel at. And those are the kind of um, professions that you can work very autonomously. You know, if you're a, a healer, you usually can set your hours and that type of thing. Now, so does I, the chart say anything about how she uh, communicates in the world with others? I mean, in terms of, um, oh, charisma, likability, that kind of thing. Absolutely. I mean, Mercury and Pisces, where it's placed and in the sign of Pisces, it's a little, like I said, a little more hidden. Um, maybe, I don't know if she would call herself a shy person, but there's a lot in her chart that tells me maybe being like a little less forthcoming at first, feeling the situation out. Now, these are good skills, but there can be a time where it's just time to also speak up. And so that may be something that she is working on. Um, but it, it's good to feel the situation out up to a point and know the right time to do something. And I see that as a real strength. Um, I think people, the likability for sure, because, um, you know, with all this water in her chart, she's got this emotional sensitivity, um, being able to think about what she says and how the other person might feel, um, which is great. And it could almost be to a fault again, like overly accommodating and learning, like it's okay to be a little direct as long as you're still respectful and polite, you know? Sure. Interesting. Well, yeah. I, I think it's so interesting to hear you do these readings because you're really drilled down and can tell quite a lot about, about someone. And, um, yeah, well, thank you for doing that. I'm sure that, uh, Christine and Nicole and certainly me, we're all very appreciative of, of, of that insight. Oh, I um, really enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> so if, if people who are listening, um, would like to delve a little deeper into learning about themselves, uh, through astrology, what would you recommend would be some of the first steps? Well, I think um, definitely, you know, they can look for some books that interest them. If they become a member on Jan Spiller, they're going to actually learn a lot because when I write these articles, I don't just say Jupiter and Pluto and then move on. Like I try to explain as if someone had never heard of that energy and try to like teach a little bit as I go. Um, mm -hmm. So they can learn through reading these articles um, when I was listening to your interview with Jan, I really loved what Jan said where, you know, you said, well, what books do you recommend? And she said, well, I think the person should go into the bookstore and go to what they are drawn to, pick up the book and see if it makes you feel empowered when you read it. And <laughs> I thought that was fantastic advice because that's the bottom line is that's to me the gift of what astrology is supposed to remind you of your innate gifts and your strengths. Sure, you get a heads up about the challenges, but if you're not feeling empowered by something you're reading astrologically, I don't think it's going to put you on the right path. Um, so that's what, yeah. I think that's I would... very good advice because I think with any of these energetic um, 
arts or sciences that, you know, there, there, there are people who are probably uh, taking advantage of people's innate fears and that kind of thing, and and uh, maybe maybe bringing out some of the darker um, sides of things. But you know, that's what what I always loved about Jan's work and certainly your work is that. Um, you know, you're looking for the empowerment piece, mm-hmm. you know, which is so powerful. Yes. And then by learning more about yourself, that was another great Jan quote, you know, self-knowledge <laughs> is power. And so, um, yeah, I think it goes really well with people who are already working on themselves. It ties in beautifully with, uh, you know, psychotherapy and that kind of thing like the Myers-Briggs has really uncannily lines up with people's astrology charts that's interesting you know and then there's also that anagram I think Mm -hmm. uh, as well um well yeah the um is it Myers-Briggs and the anagram I think has like um nine different personality types and then oh oops sorry um I'm playing with something (laughs) snapped mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah they have um you know when 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 you look at some of these things side by side you say you know like a personality type one oh that sounds very much like an Aries <laughs> or mm-hmm. you know it's almost like they're they're reading the same Akashic record uh, in the universe and maybe getting a different take on it I don't know <laughs> I think that's that's totally true. And yeah, I know that Jan also studied numerology and I had a numerology reading from a friend of hers and I thought the same things. I was like, oh, this sounds a lot like my astrology chart. So um, so I think it's great to kind of look at everything that's out there. Astrology just speaks really strongly to me. It just seems to be a direct... Uh, download and I think people can get a lot out of it without having to get too bogged down in the technical if they don't want to if you want to learn the technical that's available but there's a lot you can learn just by reading articles you know I try to really break it down so people can just get the themes and know that you know well, thank you uh, so much for your time uh, sharing with us today and enlightening us on this topic. Um, it has certainly been really um, interesting and, and uh, inspiring uh, to learn more. So, folks, uh, again, you can uh, visit janspiller.com to uh, connect with Stephanie. And um, she's uh, right on there as a chief meteorologist. I was going to say chief meteorologist. Chief, <laughs> chief astrologer. <laughs> Is it astrologist? Is that what it is? Most people say astrologer. There's a whole debate, but traditionally we've been called astrologers, you know, no worries. Um, And it's funny you say the meteorologist because that's one of the articles I write is astrological weather report, which was, (laughs) you know, designed by Jan. And it's so practical. It's like, yeah, let's see what the weather is today, you know. That's great. I love it. <laughs> well, uh, wonderful. Um, so we will connect with you again, I hope. And um, maybe next time we'll have some more listener uh, questions for you. That would be wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. I really have enjoyed it.
Oh, great. All right. Well, we will talk to you again soon, no doubt. And in the meantime, stay safe and stay well. Thank you. You too. Okay. Take care. This is your host, Andy Height. Thank you so much for listening and for supporting Wisdom Radio through your subscription so we can stay ad-free the way we like it. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Wisdom Radio. Guest suggestions are always welcome at wisdomradio.org. Until next time, remember to follow your brightest path.